0: Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? With all loving God? Amen. Sure sounded like it during our worship time together. It's beautiful hearing you all singing, and enjoying the, the beauty of our creator, God, the one who loves us, the one who has redeemed us, and just celebrating our coming together and spending some time worshiping him. So good job. Well done. So today we're going to be wrapping up our four-week series entitled Engage, a series of ministering and teaching on the, on the person of the Holy Spirit, on who he is. I, I started that off a couple of weeks ago, and then Pastor Vern did it the following two weeks. He taught on the baptism in the Holy Spirit and what about tongues. He just did a great job giving clarity on, on that particular gift. I encourage you to, if you haven't heard these, to go back and make sure you listen to them. Last week, uh, again, Pastor Vern taught on hearing God's voice and learning how to be led by the Holy Spirit of God and, and, and that we can really develop that gift as well in our lives. And so today we're going to conclude this series, engaged, and we're going to be focusing today on living with a supernatural expectation or miracles, however you want to call it, but I'm referring to it as living with a supernatural expectation I heard a saying uh, many years ago. Uh, the, the person who shared it with me said it's an old Chinese proverb. I couldn't quite figure out why it was Chinese. It doesn't sound Chinese to me, but anyway, it goes like this He who expects nothing will not be disappointed. <laughs> he who expects nothing will not be disappointed. And, uh, you know, we can laugh at that and we can kind of at that. But really, what's, what's, how does that resonate within our hearts? What, what's that speaking to our heart? Do we uh, lower our expectations so that we're not disappointed? Or are we living with a supernatural expectation? So we're going to talk along those lines. I'm going to share some verses with you, today, some scripture verses today to encourage you in in this particular arena of your life uh, because we really want to get to a place where in in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'm of the conviction that as our relationship with the Holy Spirit uh, develops over time, that we should become more and more passionate, more and more have a greater expectation of the supernatural provision, the leading, the guiding, the workings and the giftings of the Holy Spirit in our lives, not a lesser expectation experience of them. And I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to anyone else in here or to anyone watching online. We have to always be guarding our heart and, and keep stirring up the embers within us and fan that flame with that fresh wind uh, of the Holy Spirit and allow ourselves to be, to be stirred up and to live with, with, a, with that sense of a expectation, supernatural expectation. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. I'm going to give these verses to you pretty quickly. Then we're going to uh, 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 circle back to some of them. But uh, I, I really think it'll be a word of encouragement for all of us today. So, so stay tuned. Keep your, your ears open and your heart receptive and say, I am ready to develop a, a greater supernatural expectation in my life. Let's just say that together. I am ready, I am ready. to receive Jesus. and to grow In a supernatural expectation. Supernatural (laughs) expectation. You know, it's a really, we want to get to that place. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, the scripture reads, As men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested or affirmed as accurate by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him. In Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 4, I'm going to encourage you to go back and read these verses and especially put them in context because a Hebrew scripture here is talking about not neglecting that great salvation that we have. And then this particular verse says, God bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Galatians three five we are reminded as we read that that God supplies the Spirit and works miracles among us by the hearing of faith as you are hearing the word of God that's how God works miracles uh, among us and so like I mentioned our growing partnership and relationship with the Holy Spirit should result in a greater supernatural expectation that we that, that's something that it's it, it's 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 our default. Our default goes back to not to negativity, not to not expecting anything, but the default is uh, I'm expecting a supernatural solution to this dilemma. That's where we're going. In John chapter 6. Verse 5 and 6, this is, in, this is in, within the context of Jesus feeding the multitude. And this story is feeding the 5,000. You've heard probably a lot of lessons on the feeding of the 5,000, and the loaves and the fish and the little boy that was willing to give his five fish and his two loaves. And there's a, a, a lot of great analogies in this particular story. But here's one that I, I, I just want to uh, take a few moments on because it, it reads like this. Uh, Jesus, you know, the Passover had just... Uh, The the Passover feast of the Jews was near. And in verse 5, it says, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So we have this multitude of people. A multitude of people. And Jesus is asking Philip, Where are we going to buy bread so that all these people can eat? Now, pay attention to this. Verse 6 teaches us that Jesus said this to test him. And we say, test him. Test. So many times in our Christian walk, and I guess we've been programmed like this, but um, in my life anyway, I've been taught, you know, well, God's been testing me. And it's usually, uh, it's most often equated to something negative going on in our lives. It may be an, an, an ailment or a financial challenge or relationship problem or whatever it may be, but it's usually associated with something negative and people say, well, God's been testing me. God doesn't test anybody with anything evil, but here's a test that's coming to Philip. He said this, he said this to test him, testing his faith. The trying of your faith produces patience allowing patience to have its perfect work, etc., etc. et cetera. So here's a test to Philip, and many times it's a test to us as well. And here's where we want to uh, pass this test. And the passing of this test is simply developing a supernatural expectation. Because Jesus presented this question to Philip in verse 6, as he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he thought, Philip, where are you going to buy bread to feed all these people? In the meantime, Jesus already knows that he's going to, he's going to do the miracle of multiplication. He's going to have the five, you know, the five fish and the two loaves, and he's going to, or whatever the combination is there. I think it's five fish and two loaves. But whatever that combination was, he's going to take it and he's going to multiply it. And he's going to multiply it through the hands of the disciples, so Jesus' supernatural provisions coming through the hands of the people. But remember, Philip's reply to this test, Philip answered in verse 7, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that, they, that every one of them may have a little. So Jesus is presenting Philip with a question. It is a test test how's he going to respond to it? What's his attitude going to be towards this? Is, it, is, is Philip going to be thinking supernatural or is he going to be thinking natural? And we can have the answer here. Obviously, he said he, he responded with the natural mindset. He said the, the amount of money that we have here is not enough to buy bread to feed all these people. But Jesus asked the question, knowing how much money they have, knowing how much bread and food is available, he said it with a question, thinking, is anybody thinking about the possibility of a supernatural solution? And can we grow to a place where a supernatural solution is our first thought, rather than trying everything else. Here's another phrase I've heard throughout my uh, Christian walk, and I've I've been guilty of it myself. Well, I've tried everything else. Why don't we try? Let's pray. (laughs) I tried everything else. Why don't we give this a shot? Perhaps perhaps there's a miracle in the making here. Well, that's commendable in, in and of itself, but how much more commendable is it that we think that that's our first train of thought? My first thought is, God's got this. God has this. God's asking me where we're going to buy all this bread. Where we are going to get enough bread? And my response is, it's going to be supernatural. Because God, you're asking me, and you're the one that, you're the reason this whole multitude is drawn together here. This is on you, it's not on me. So what I want you to see here is Jesus, Jesus knew what he would do, that he would miraculously multiply the five loaves and the two fish, and then, uh, in which he did that, he did that. Then in verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. You know that this miracle flowed through their hands. So the supernatural solution many times will flow through your mind, through your hands, through your resources. Don't count yourself out. So uh, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish listen to this last part of the verse, as much as they wanted. So the natural mind said, there's not enough to be sufficient to feed all these people. The supernatural solution ended up resulting in everyone having as much as they wanted. And there's even some remaining after that. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about being engaged, having a living vital relationship with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, our comforter, our helper, our, the, the miracle worker that is residing within us, that, that uh, we want to get to a place where we are focused on a supernatural solution. That is the bedrock. That, that's the foundation for uh, experiencing miracles in our lives. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 uh, tells us that God is able to do Exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we can even ask or imagine. And it's according to his power that's actively working within us. Now, that's, you know, when you just take one verse like that and you just say, okay, I'm going to meditate on that until I get it. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what I am able to think or to imagine. To think or imagine. So your greatest thoughts, your highest thoughts and your greatest imagination, just know that God is able to do beyond that because he is the miracle worker. He is the one that wants wants you to train you and develop you into expecting supernatural solutions to all circumstances in life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. The, the church at Corinth gets a bad rap many times because it, it, there was a lot of carnality, a lot of a lot of sin manifested within the church. But it was also a church that was very uniquely operating and functioning. Uh, very developed in in the operation of the of the holy spirit and in the gifts of the spirit in first corinthians chapter 12 the apostle paul is actually uh, teaching for a little bit on the gifts of the spirit in chapter 12 then in chapter 13 he's talking about the importance of love because that's the very foundation for the gifts of the spirit to be in operation and then in chapter 14 he talks about the proper manifestation and and working of the gifts the guidelines for them to for the gifts to be demonstrated But in verses 8 through 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he lists nine different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they're in three different categories. Let me read verse 8 through 10. It says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So there you have nine gifts, and if you want a a little key on how to remember these, they're in three categories. Number one, you have the revelation gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. They're the revelation gifts because they reveal something to you that you otherwise would not have access to that information unless the Holy Spirit makes it known through the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge or discernment. Number two is demonstration gifts. They demonstrate something, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, and the gift of working of miracles. They demonstrate the supernatural manifestation of God in our lives and then the third category is the proclamation gifts, which are prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And of course, they proclaim something. They, they proclaim the word of the Lord. But what I want you to see is when Paul introduces the gifts, there's that the very first verse in chapter 12 begins with the word now. And we say now. now. When is now? now? Now, right? Was it yesterday? Not tomorrow. Now. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. But now concerning spiritual gifts. What he's referring to there when Paul mentions now is he's going back to his introduction to the, uh, to the letter to the church at Corinth. And in his beginning of his letter in chapter 1 in verse 4 says, He says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Verse five says that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance or all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, or you could also say among you, so that you come short in no gift. And we say short in no gift. So the gifts we just mentioned from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is saying, you are are enriched with all these gifts, and I'm commending you for it. You come short. You're not lacking in any of the nine. You have them. You have have them fully. They're manifested among you. So you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, in verse 5, when he says, you are enriched, he's expressing the extent to which the gifts were operating in the church at Corinth. Meaning they were, they were very commonplace. They, they were rich, the, the, the gifts among their lives. And then he says, you, you were enriched in, in this. But, and then in verse 6, it says, and, and the testimony, the testimony of Christ is confirmed among you. Now, when you have a testimony, that's great. In a court of law, when you have a witness, you have a testimony. And that's, that's good. Or it can be multiple people giving testimony, being given a witness to something. But when that testimony or that witness is confirmed, now you have very solid evidence. Now you know that this is a bona fide reality. This is a bona fide truth. This is not a made-up story. You have a testimony that is confirmed. This even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, in you, that you come, sh- again, that, that you come short in, in no gift. So the gifts of the Spirit that Paul's talking about and he's commending the, 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 the church at Corinth in this. He's, he's saying that the gifts of the Spirit then and even now today, the gifts of the Spirit confirm the testimony of Jesus Christ. The gifts energized and authenticated what they intellectually knew of Jesus. God never intended for Jesus to be only a historical miracle worker in the pages of history. Jesus is very much alive today, and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he still desires to bring his supernatural reality into our lives today as we continue to, to uh, develop that and continue to come into a place where we are having, developing that supernatural expectation. Are you living with that? Am I living with that? Or does life get busy? We get, you know, we get distracted. We lose focus. We we forget that Jesus is Jesus. We forget that God is God. And we forget that the Holy Spirit is present here, dwelling within us to represent Jesus, not only to us, but to represent Jesus in us and through us to a lost world that has not yet been introduced to the love of God. That he's the miracle worker today, just as he was back then. And it's not to be history, it's to be a current reality. Supernatural. Everyone say supernatural. <laughs> expectation. We can grow to a place where we have a supernatural expectation for healing. A supernatural expectation uh, for life to be going well on all fronts. For a supernatural expectation for financial provision in our lives. We can get to that place and we, can, we want to be able to, to grow into that. And that is uh, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit being engaged with the Holy Spirit of God will bring us into that level of living with a supernatural expectation. Some people thought the only thing they ever expected is on the epitaph on their tombstone as says, I expected this. We can expect good things in life today. Amen. And again, I'm encouraging myself. I'm mean, getting to you know, not allowing myself to, to, to get down and, and to get discouraged, and it, it happens way too frequently, but it doesn't I don't need to be living there, and you don't need to be living there. We, we, can, we can grow in our faith, in our confidence and our trust in God, and come into a place where the testimony of Jesus Christ is confirmed in me, among me, and through me, not only for my benefit, but for other people's benefits, for kingdom growth, for God's love and, and God's mercy and God's grace to be manifested here on the earth. Now, you may be uh, sitting in here this morning or maybe watching online so this all sounds great but you know to be honest with you I've always kind of I I have read the book of acts and I read about the holy spirit and I read about the miracles of Jesus and and I'm I'm I'm, I'm guilty of looking at it as historical facts, and, and today, you know, we're, we're just doing what we're doing and trying to make it through to the end. Well, we don't have to just be doing what we're doing. We, can, we are called upon, and God wants us to be relying on him, to trust in him, to not be leaning on our own understanding, but in all of our ways to be acknowledging him. So when we're acknowledging him, we're acknowledging the work and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And among the gifts listed are the gifts of faith, the gifts of healings, the gifts of working of miracles. They're demonstration gifts. They demonstrate and they confirm the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we want to get there. But you might be saying, well, I want to be there. I believe, but yet I don't believe. How many people would identify with that? I believe in some areas, but other areas I just have a hard time believing. Anyone at all want to be honest and say, yeah, yeah, I, I wrestle with that, just like I wrestle with that. There's certain things I can, yeah, I can believe that. And others it's like, hmm, Jesus says, where are you going to buy bread for all these people? And then the response is, well, the amount of money I have is not enough to buy bread for all these people, so I have no idea what we're going to do but the situation that you're facing what you feel like you may have heard from God and your mind is telling you well that's that can't work you don't have enough you don't you are you, you're, you're not adequately equipped to do what Jesus the question that he has presented to you you're not equipped to uh, to deal with it don't just write yourself out of and say that must that must be for someone else but it's not for me because Jesus may very well be offering you the test of your lifetime and always asking you to do is just to consider a supernatural solution. Say, well Jesus, no you can talk to Jesus. Just like Pastor Vern shared last week, he speaks to us. He speaks through our mind. It's normally it's our voice. It's a very familiar voice. Well you can talk back say I I have no idea where I'm going to buy bread for all these people. Where are you going to buy bread for all these people? (laughs) They're your sheep, they're not my sheep. They're your people they're not my people. So we can enter into dialogue with him. But I, I have a, just one more portion of scripture I want to share with you. And it's found in Mark chapter 9. And this, I believe, will be very beneficial to you. It's always been very helpful to me in, in the different scenarios in, in, in life. But it's Mark chapter 9. And it's the story of the father who brought his son who had a, a mute spirit and the enemy would attack him and he'd go into convulsions and he, it, it would seize him and he'd throw himself down in the, and he'd be foaming and gnashing at the teeth and he'd become rigid and he'd throw him into the fire and into the water. It was just a very, very painful thing for a father or a mother to see their child in this type of torment. And so he brought his boy to the disciples. And this is the story where the disciples tried to cast it out, and they could not. And Jesus appearing, Jesus shows up at the scene in verse 17. It says, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son. This is the father who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But they could not. He answered him and said, "O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Bring him to me. Then in uh, verse 21, uh, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Verse 22, often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now get this, is it up? But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us, and help us. I believe there's a lesson in this story that many times get overlooked, gets overlooked, because I've often heard this story taught in the context of, of a teachers and preachers explaining why certain people don't get delivered and certain people don't get healed, and it's because the disciples were arguing, and it's because this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, which I found interesting because Jesus didn't pray before he cast him out, he just cast him out. And the word fasting is not in the original translations, it's something that they added to it. And also Jesus said, You don't need to be praying while the bright while the bridegroom is here. When he's gone, you'll need to fast. So anyway, there's just a whole lot of different scenarios come out of this particular story. And I think we missed one that it could be very, very helpful to us. So forget about all the reasons why this disciples couldn't heal him. Everyone say, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting it. All right. Now we're going to focus on Jesus. Alright, we're gonna come, we're gonna to learn to f- concentrate on a supernatural solution and, and for Jesus and to understand his compassion and his mercy toward you and your circumstances in life. He said, But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, if you Can believe. All things are possible to him that believes. So we hear Jesus repeating the Father's own words, if you can, and then he challenges the Father's words, and there's a a Marshall's paraphrase version that I want to read to you. And it goes like this: So far as your if you can is concerned, I tell you that all things are possible to the one that believes. And a lame paraphrase version reads like this. As regards to your remark about my ability. Remember the father asked him if you can. The disciples couldn't, but if you can. As regards to your remark about my ability to help your son, I tell you, everything depends upon your ability to believe, not on my ability to help your son. said, Pastor Ray, that's wonderful, but that's where I struggle. I struggle to believe. I want to believe, but I struggle to believe. The beautiful story here is the next verse, verse 24. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I do believe, but help this unbelief. I have some areas of unbelief. I do believe to the best of my ability, but help my unbelief. Now, here's what I want to share with you this morning. And then we're going to go into the song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker. Even though I don't see it, even though I don't feel it, you're working. All right? And when we're doing this song, I want you to whatever you need from God, just say, God, God. I believe to the best of my ability and help my unbelief. I want my miracle today. I'm looking for a supernatural solution. I'm leaving here today with a supernatural solution. Is that okay with you? You're watching online. You receive your supernatural solution right where you are. Whatever sanctuary you have created this morning, you go ahead and you receive yours as well. But here's what I want you to see. There's two kinds, two types of unbelief. There is a blatant unbelief, meaning I choose not to believe that. In Mark chapter 6, just a few chapters earlier, we have Jesus in his, home, in his own hometown, and he could not do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. They did not believe. They chose to, believe, to not believe that anything good could, anything good could come out of Nazareth. They made a decision. We don't believe it. And therefore, Jesus, the the scriptures tell us that Jesus could not do any mighty work there because they chose to not believe. So that's that, I own it. I don't believe it. I choose not to believe it. Nothing good can come out of this. I'm just not going to believe that. Unlike the father here, he has a repentant. Everyone say repentant. A repentant unbelief. He says, I do believe. But help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. This is not a statement for us preachers to get off on. That's why you didn't get your healing. You didn't believe. Your faith wasn't strong enough. Now, just believe to the best of your ability and ask the Father, help my unbelief. Let's just say that right now. Say, Heavenly Father, I do believe. But I'm asking you, to help any and all areas that I struggle to believe. Deal with me in those areas today. Help me in those areas. I do believe that your word is true. I do believe that you are Lord and Savior. I do believe that you are a miracle worker. And I choose to believe that you have a supernatural solution concerning my life today. Amen. Amen. You believe that this morning? Let's stand up and let's worship together. As this song is going, listen to the lyrics in this song, sing the lyrics, and continue to cry out and say, God, I believe and fully anticipate receiving a supernatural solution. It may be an idea. It may be a manifested physical healing. It may be a thought, something creative. Follow up on it. Follow up on it. God bless.